0: Welcome back. This is the second segment of the 22nd edition of Boss Tone Radio. And we've got John Gutwillig on the phone. And right now we're listening to his band, the Disco Biscuits. They're jamming out on a song called Vacation from their album Planet Anthem. And let's pick up where we left off talking to John. Hey, let's talk about guitar for a second. I've seen some pictures of you with what looks like a Paul Reed Smith guitar. Do you use those?
1: Uh, no, I actually play these guitars called Becker.
0: Becker, huh.
1: They build my Roland guitar unit right into the guitar for me.
0: The GK pickup?
1: And so my Roland system is seamlessly integrated into the guitar by them, which makes it so easy for me to run the Roland system because it's literally plug and go and really mm-hmm. wonderful piece. The guitar is 100% handmade, and Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of famous people that have Beckers at this point. It's made with the quality of a Paul Reed Smith, but it has more of a bluesy tone. You know, I consider it just like an earthy, like a real tone to it. It's great, Mm -hmm. deep tone, very deep.
0: Does it have regular pickups in addition to the Roland GK pickup?
1: Yeah, it has custom-designed Seymour Duncan pickups.
0: Now, I saw a picture of... Your pedal board, and maybe it's from a few years back, right now you use the Roland VG-99, correct?
1: Uh, I have the VG-99 and I have pedals, yeah. I use both.
0: Well, I see on this picture of one of your pedal boards, you've got a a Boss, I think it's a DD-7 delay with the Tap Tempo, FS-5U for Tap Tempo? Uh,
1: Yes, yes, I do have one of those. I had a DD-5 or DD-7 in my setup for, for as far back as I can remember.
0: I also noticed it looks like you have a... Boss OD20 Drive Zone with uh, you know there's lots of different distortions in there.
1: Yep, that's a great pedal too. I really like that pedal.
0: You can save different overdrive and distortions with that pedal. Do you switch between different overdrive and distortions throughout your set?
1: Yeah, I actually have I have four overdrive saved into it that have different uses. There's also a like non-saved overdrive position, but I pretty much yep. have that set as well. That's
0: the manual one. So I
1: basically have five overdrives uh-huh. on that pedal, and I just choose them as, as the night goes on. They all have different purposes. The one that I don't save, the manual one, is uh is sort of like uh, like a nice shreddy overdrive for solos. And then the first one is a is a heavy metal sort of power cord overdrive.
0: Uh huh. Maybe that's a metal zone or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. It's like something you might hear at a Cinderella concert. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then um, the second one in is a sort of a thinner solo overdrive. It's a sort of a thinner distortion because sometimes I like to, you know, throw some different things on there, some effects, some phasers and stuff like that. And I don't want to throw the phasers on a really thick overdrive because it just creates a lot of noise. So I'll use that thinner overdrive for those purposes. Uh-huh. And then um, sometimes I'll layer distortion, and so that center overdrive is nice. Then the next one is like a Centaur model.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I used to actually have a Centaur. My Centaur broke, and it's hard to get another one.
0: I can't remember. Is the Centaur like a real fuzzy kind of tone?
1: Um, You know, I, I would sort of describe it as like a, a real smooth oh. overdrive, like a smooth brown overdrive is how I would describe it. Yeah, great pedal, the original Centaur. And actually the the boss model of the Centaur is wonderful as well. So uh-huh. I have the third setting is a is sort of a centaur modeling setting. And then the fourth setting is like more of a like an Eddie Van Halen type of lead sound. And it's got a little bit of oh, there's a low end feature.
0: Yeah, that's called heavy octave.
1: And you know, I don't really use the octave bass much as you can like you can really turn that piece up if you want to yeah but for me i just put it in there a little bit to fatten everything up you know i just add it in there it's real subtle the way that i use it i don't think anyone would guess that it's in there but uh i do use it on uh on my centaur setting in my sort of heavy metal guitar subtle setting and you know night to night room to room mm-hmm. really like you don't really know which distortion is going to work the best for you. You know, that's sort of what I like about that pedal is having like a, a little bit of a, a couple different distortion selections mm-hmm. as, as you play the show, depending on, you know, the sound on stage and whether or not you're standing on top of the subwoofers or not. You know, there's a lot of little factors that go into, you know, which distortion is going to sound best for your uh, for your show. So i like to have a couple
0: options. And that that's the beauty of that pedal is that there's, I don't know, there's about 20 different um, distortions available and you can save your own favorites. I also notice it looks like you have a, uh, do you have an RV5 digital reverb pedal? Yes. Do you use that for just like a hint of reverb or do you ever use that for an effect?
1: In the studio, I'll use it for effects. Uh-huh. You know, in the studio, I'll tweak it. I'll get some cool stuff out of it. It has a lot of cool features to it. And if you want to roll the knobs around while you're playing, some really crazy things (laughs) that I think are cool, frankly. Uh But live on stage, I just put it on like a little light plate and I just leave it on the whole show. I never turn it off.
0: And I notice you have an FS5U, so you can tap in the delay rate for your DD7. Do you do that regularly, tap in the rate at different, Tempos?
1: Yeah, I do all a lot. That pedal is always tappable and I have a, uh, i have some other like analog delays which I use because they have a cool sound to them. Uh huh. And I actually put them before the DD seven, and then I use the DD seven to tap the analog delay. Because if the DD seven goes last, then it sets the tempo of the other delays. Even if the delays are out of tempo, the DD seven will loop them. At the appropriate tempo.
0: Wow! I never thought of that. It wouldn't be the exact uh, normal repeat, but it would still be in tempo. I have to try that.
1: Yeah, it's always looping at the correct time. So even though it may sound a little chaotic, it's still looping at the correct time. So wow. the chaoticness is just part of the sound at that point, and you can you know like it or not like. It. If you don't like it, just turn the pedal off. But if you do like it. At least you also know that it's in time. So that's what I use the DD7 for, as well as just being, it's basically my go-to delay um, Uh because the tap works perfectly, really. But um, I can also throw on some other delays and do some different analog delay effects and then tap them with the DD7, Uh which is nice.
0: Do you have it set to quarter note tap? So if you go tap, tap, then the delay is like delay, delay, delay. Or have you, yeah. Oh, you can experiment and tap, and it'll give you triplets or, I don't know, dotted eights, but you usually use the quarters.
1: I mean, if I was in a death metal band, I would have it four taps for tap, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's if it's really fast.
1: Sometimes if you want a nice slap back delay, like an old 50s, you know, a Brian Setzer type of thing, then it's nice to set the tap at a different tempo, but with the biscuits, we don't do very much of that, so I just basically leave it on quarter tap.
0: This is another excerpt from the Disco Biscuits' new album, Planet Anthem. This song is called Save Your Soul. John Gutwillig on guitar. I'm still looking at a picture of your pedal board and there's one pedal I can't tell. Is that a GE7 graphic equalizer pedal or a T- maybe it's a TU2 tuner? It's hard to see. Well,
1: I have the tuner and the EQ pedal.
0: The EQ pedal. Do you use the EQ pedal to shape your tone?
1: Uh, yeah, the EQ pedal is really used as like a distortion boost. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I really use it as like when I'm at the top of the neck. You know, the the quality of the guitar changes a little bit.
0: Uh huh. Gets thinner. And,
1: yeah, it gets a little thinner. When you when you listen to disco biscuits music, it's like I'm all over the neck. I mean, I play every single fret on the guitar twice at least every single night. You know, <laughs> so I'm all over the thing. Like, there's, uh-huh. there's no like, you know, you look at Stevie Ray Vaughan's guitar and it's like worn out at the 12th fret. And
0: In what area? Fret
1: he' he's living there. He's living at the 12th fret. He's living at the 5th fret. Yeah. You know, for me, I play a lot at the 12th 5th fret. I also play a lot at the 14th fret and 15th fret and the 7th fret and the 3rd fret. and All <laughs> over the damn thing. I sort of optimize everything for the normal guitar range. And then if I get really up high, like 17th fret and higher, my guitar is a 24-fret guitar, and I use every one of those frets up top. So when I get up there, I use the bossy cue to put a, a, a little bit more emphasis on those higher frequencies and also to, like, sort of reduce some of the lower frequencies, which, you know, like, you, you don't really want the lower frequencies when you're really up high because a lot of times you're up high, you have a lot of distortion on, and you're going to get some weird feedback coming out of that lower range. So you want to dampen that lower range just a little bit. You don't want to cut it out, but you want to dampen it a little bit, uh-huh. and then you want to boost some of your higher frequencies and so that's what I use the EQ for. I used to use the EQ when I was clean. My sound is sort of closer to West Montgomery than anything else. And I used the EQ to turn my West Montgomery sound into like a more classic Stratocaster sound. It was like a Stratocaster button. And I used to do that, but then I just, you know, I stopped just to with so many different sounds over the years. And
0: now it's more like for playing real high notes than you kick it in. Yeah, that makes sense. I... I used to teach at GIT, and a lot of guys have a habit of flipping their pickup switch. You know, if you go high on the neck, you're using the neck pickup, and then when you're down low, you're using the bridge pickup. Do you do that also?
1: No, I actually use the EQ for that. I don't switch ah. pickups as much as other people.
0: Do you have humbucking pickups?
1: I don't use humbucking pickups on any guitar that I play.
0: You're a single-coil guy.
1: I like the neck single-coil pickup. I like that one. And, I, you know, I play some guitars that have a lot of different pickups on them. Uh-huh. And I move the pickups around, you know. I do. I just generally don't think it's necessarily that big of an advantage. Huh? <laughs> you know, a lot of people are really into moving pickups and rolling tones. And I do it because it's the right thing to do, not because I'm excited about the new tone necessarily.
0: Huh. I know Jimi Hendrix um, always preferred single-coil pickups and You know, strats because he he said there's more bass and more highs. It's like a wider range of tone. Single coil pickups, yeah,
1: huh? Single coil on the next, That's what that's my problem with bridge pickups is it gets very thin. Uh huh. You lose all your bass, right? And you you get this extendedly shrill amount of treble, which I get just by using the EQ pedal. Interesting. You know, but I get it the way I want it. When you have a bridge pickup in a guitar. You know, no matter how many different bridge pickups you go through, it just it sounds like the bridge pickup. Fascinating. So I'm looking for when I have, when I use the EQ, I can actually cater it to sound exactly
0: like I want it. So. Wow, and that's the advantage of that GE seven EQ pedal. You've got seven different sliders, and obviously, if you have a rear pickup, you've just got one, whatever that tone is.
1: Huh. Yeah, yeah, it works great. It
0: puts you in control. Uh, you also use the Roland VG ninety nine. Do you blend that with your regular guitar sound, or do you usually use it separate?
1: It depends on what I want to do. Sometimes I use it separate. I mean, it has all the effects in it that you want.
0: Yeah, it's got everything. Every amp, every just, you know, every tone.
1: Yeah, and sometimes that can be a bit overwhelming. So, (laughs) I mean, I have the foot pedal with it. I I can't imagine using it without the foot pedal. The FC-300. I have it set up patch-wise, so... My foot pedal always helps me control the unit in an optimum way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get to a distortion or all these other things at any point in time on the VG99. I can run it just alone without anything else.
0: For amps, I think I read, do you use a Fender Deluxe?
1: Well, I actually use a Good Cell.
0: Good Cell. I'm not familiar with that.
1: It's called a Good Cell. G-O-O-D-S-E-L-L.
0: Good Cell. Is that a combo amp? Yes. Do you use... More than one?
1: No,
0: just one. Just one. And does it have 12s, 12-inch speakers? Tens. Tens. Like four tens, like a Super Reverb?
1: Actually, no, it has two twelves. Two twelves. I've
0: two twelves. And uh, is it a 2 amp? Yeah. Interesting. I have to look th- look those up. Let's switch to something else here besides gear. Do you guys all write your material, or is there one main guy who's a writer? And what's your process?
1: We've done pretty much every process. Uh huh. So there's no real process. You know, just go in, and you make music every day. That's what we do.
0: Just going in every day and playing. Yep,
1: yeah, that's the process. Blue collar, go in, do the job.
0: Let's see. You guys have a studio that used to belong to. Is it Jazzy Jeff, a hip hop guy?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do.
0: Do you record your albums yourself, or do you guys? Go into another studio, or do you have different combinations?
1: Uh, we do a lot of recording. Our We do a little bit of both, actually. Our new album, which comes out March 16th, we recorded in our own studio and in other studios, depending on the track. We did each track at its own pathway to being finished.
0: Regarding your recording process, do you guys... Do the traditional, get the basic tracks, and then do overdubs on top of that?
1: Well, it's just a lot of different ways that it works. I mean, that's the way that every album pretty much gets made right there. So it is what it is. You go in there, you know, you make a demo of the song. If people like the demo, then you turn it into a real track with the band, and everybody puts their input in, and that's how it works. Very cool, and it's uh-huh. great when a lot of parts from the demo make it on the actual well. album.
0: Do you have your own engineer that you've worked with for a while?
1: No, we have lots of engineers. Lots of people involved in our recording process. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, as far as Philly goes, we're probably the biggest band in Philly. Uh-huh. And uh, we have the biggest studio. And a lot of other musicians use our studio, and we don't charge any of them. So huh. they uh, they get involved. You know, they they uh, thank us for the recording space and stuff like that by, by helping us do our stuff. The Disco Biscuit album is a really a large Philadelphia community affair, really. And it's interesting because it changes the sound of the music a little bit because there's so many different opinions and uh, people's blood and sweat on these tracks that it, you know, makes it different than what we do on stage. But, um, you know, it's awesome. I love it. Wow. I like going to the studio and having like 10 people there and not knowing who they all are and, you know, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Like to me, that's fun. That's awesome. I like going to the studio and that be the situation. Just so for us, you would go in there and like all the lights would be off. Nobody would be there. And you'd go in there by uh-huh. yourself and like make music by yourself. And it just uh-huh. was a bit of a brooding type of thing. Interesting. And then we got uh, some other studios in the area closed down and went out of business. And uh, they all needed uh, some place to go. So we told them, yeah, just go to our studio. It was fun. So, and uh, uh-huh. a lot of those people haven't left. They just, they're still there. <laughs> you know, it's good really good we we want them to stay. Wow. some of them are on the payroll now, so <laughs> you know, I like, think like we want you know we want that to continue as much as
0: possible. Do you have any advice for a guitar player who would like to you know achieve what you've achieved so far?
1: I don't know I think I think every guitar player has to you know has to make their own
0: path
1: uh-huh every musician has to make their own path. And if you try and, you know, do it the way somebody else did it, you end up finding out that you had to make your own path.
0: Hey, John, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and uh, really appreciate it. Thank
1: you, Paul. Thanks for having
0: me. Hey, this concludes the 22nd edition of Boss Tone Radio. Special thanks to John Gutwig for coming on the show, telling us all about his gear and other interesting stuff. Thank you for listening and using Boss Pedals and other cool gear. And remember, you can find out more about all kinds of Boss stuff at BossUS.com. Underneath me are excerpts from the new... Planet Anthem, Disco Biscuits album, Camouflage Souls, what we're listening to right now. Until the next show, this is Paul Hansen saying, I'll see you later.